America. My name is Amir Sefrenprong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. Today, I'm going to give you a twofer. I just talked about why we need to increase the number of mixed-gendered sports and just redesign the sports so that they can kind of negate any physical advantages men might have over women because it's important for women and men to compete with and against each other openly openly on the same team and openly against each other and figure out a way to make that happen. Because without that, I think we run into the problem we have right now in our politics. Well, right now, our politics is internal to white womanhood. What do I mean? I mean that our politics is internal to white womanhood insofar as what they're, allowed, what they're willing to fight each other about is what we're allowed to talk about politically. If they're not willing to fight each other about it, then we can't talk about it. Now, even our women's issues aren't really women's issues, say something like abortion, right? So with abortion, you got white women on one side and white women on the other side, and they're fighting each other about it. Although the white women on uh, the anti-abortion side, like we, we have to pretend that they don't exist. <laughs> um, and because if it were up to black men, there wouldn't be a fight. They would just be pro-choice, right? If black men, it turns out, I have really good politics. And we don't get credit for that for a variety of reasons, for having really good politics. But we just have to understand what it means that who gets to decide what is divisive? Who gets to decide what's a politically salient issue? Who gets to decide these things? Um, and if you actually think through, and I have the, some data I'm bringing up right now that I'll get to after I hit the opening, like we live in the world that white women create, except the ones on the conservative side have just organized it. Like they're calling plays from the back. They sick white guys to be like at the front, but make no mistake. All of your, all of your white guy jerks that you think run American politics, they're all married to people who, and they all had, and, and like, and they were all raised by mothers, and they were married, and they are married to people who like like them because of the perks and profit from their jerkiness, right? So this illusion that somehow Melania Trump is better than Donald, or like is oppressed, or this illusion that Michelle Obama is uh, somehow less ridiculous than Barack, or that Hillary Clinton ma married Bill Clinton by mistake, or for lack of options. Like, no. <laughs> she married, she wanted to be the president. She wanted to be the president of the United States. She wanted to be a senator of New York. Hillary Clinton doesn't win elections unless she's married to Bill Clinton for 20 years, right? <laughs> she, she, you know, so this idea that white women aren't running things is ludicrous given that they are the biggest voting demographic women have been out posting out 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 outpacing men for a stretch now i'll put the demographic up um that just says women are outpacing men um in terms of the vote and also here's another one that says women don't have necessarily the uh voting record that you think they do in terms of progressive policies. They, they're just not as progressive as you think. If you want real progressive policies, like vote for men. So what you have is an internal fight between white women, and that's what decides what is politically debated.
things that white women don't care about as a function of their gender identity don't even become political issues. Right? That's why we don't have real, ra uh, real race conversations, because white women don't care about it as, as a form of their political identity. They're comfortable with race as it is. We don't have real labor uh, populations because white women don't work as a function of their identity. Like We don't really have a real labor politics because they don't see themselves as plumbers. They don't see themselves as roofers. They don't see themselves as having to get a job. They see themselves as living a job optional life where they want the right to get a job but also the option of marrying someone who's going to be culturally disposed to feel like he has to earn for them, for the family, right? So that's why we don't have labor politics because women don't give a shit about it. White women don't, give, don't care. And everybody else knows. And also culturally, they set the discourse of what is polite and what is divisive, right? So you're, you're only about to be, you're only allowed to be as divisive as, as soon as the first white lady cries, then you have to stop being like, you know, antagonistic, which is a problem if your politics depends on taking away someone else's comfort. So we need to get rid of this idea that womanhood itself isn't a class and racialized identity and that white womanhood doesn't overwhelm the contours of our political discourse because it does in ways that are not, not exactly healthy. Now there's a, um, yeah. So I'm gonna let you chew on that while I hit the beat. Yeah. Sound good to me. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. So yeah, we have the conversation we have because we have the uh, culture of white womanhood we have. And they not only control the ballot box, but they control the barriers of what's considered divisive. We can't even have a real gender studies department. We, it, it ends up being feminist. So it's a women's studies department, which is not the same as studying gender because there are some like non-obvious, because it, we allied the way women are perpetrators of crime. And that means we allied whole crimes. We can't really talk about child abuse in the same way because a lot of that's perpetrated by mothers. We can't talk about, about bi-directional violence at the bottom half because I would have to admit that like sometimes women hit first. Um, and so like, what does it mean? What does it mean? It means that if we're going to change the culture of American politics, one thing that's going to, we're going to have to confront is entitlements around white womanhood, right? And we just assume that it's just, that that's not what's going on in the GOP. But when you hear that something like housing segregation or school segregation, and you, then you talk to real estate agents and you hear that bathrooms, kitchens, and school districts sell houses, who do you think's making that decision? Do you think that's really the husband on bathrooms, kitchens, and school districts? No, or is the husband capitulating and fighting for uh, the, the decisions that like, will keep his wife happy <laughs> to the, the quality of life to which she has been groomed to become accustomed, right? So we need to understand, and I'll be honest, like I'm kind of glad 
if Hillary Clinton were president right now, we'd be in a war. Like the amount of hawkishness coming from like both sides of NPR is pretty much turned into like a war station because like white women liberals have decided that like it's cool to fight Russia. And like there's an entire history of white womanhood and the Cold War go, that goes all the way back to conservative white womanhood with Phyllis Shafley, who was a cold warrior as much as she was like, as much as she was, you know, women should be, have the right to be women and not fight in wars. We should be able to direct and sick, sick our men on those wars. And that's part of what it is to be a woman. And Phyllis Shafley was fighting for that. But I don't think that that's appropriate. And uh, the number of casual stand for Ukraine white lady hawks in the world are just as much a problem as like the casual like carceral feminists in the world who really don't have a problem with jails because they know that we don't have a, 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 a penal system that's organized for actually jailing white women. We don't, we, don't, we don't put white women in jail in the United States. <laughs> we don't. I'm, I'm going to bring up a, a graphic that says that like, we just don't. I don't know if we tell ourselves some sort of story about them being sugar and spice and everything nice, but in the most carceral nation in the United States, we do not jail white women. It's just not for them. Like They have to do it and be caught doing it on cell phone. They have to be caught like grabbing the police officer's gun <laughs> while like doing a line of cocaine, right? So what does that mean? Well, it means that if we want to get rid of like the culture of jail, then we need to like one way to do that would be to start jailing white women. And just expecting more because I think a lot of these crimes happen for, because people need to earn and so if people need to earn, they end up doing dicey things. So if we expect women to earn, they'll end up doing dicey things. Then we'll jail them. And then instead of jailing them, we'll actually figure out to make it easier to earn, which is the goal, right? Which is the goal. And so these little holidays and these perks that we give white women end up distorting our political debate. And this is why, you know, like I said, you have to ask yourself real questions about why it's uh, the U.S. labor policies kind of gone down the toilet and organized labor but in the last 40 years but it's been a great year for 40 years for feminism and you think that those things are unrelated but actually empowering white women is a negating effect in all other aspects of, of progressive politics like black people are not doing that well um relative to 68 i you know I, oh here's a here's a graphic for that and yet white women are, right? And, you know, people say that, like, well, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to, had to, you know, fight for women to be able to have credit cards in the early 70s. And, you know, people, you just have to understand, nobody had a credit card in the early 70s. Credit cards were for assholes. They were for white male assholes. And the, per and the people who fought against that were... Uh, and, yeah, credit cards were not, they didn't get ubiquitous until the 90s even. Maybe the 80s when laws started changing. But for the most part, in order to get a credit card, you had to show that you were the primary earner. So like black people just didn't have credit cards. And so the first people who fought for that were the wives of assholes. Earners who earned. 
right? Because that was the only, those were the only people who had credit cards in the 60s and 70s. Like nobody else had one. Credit cards were hard to get. So this idea that like women were oppressed because they couldn't get credit cards in the 70s, nobody could get them unless you were rich. So the women who were oppressed because they couldn't get credit cards in the 70s were already rich. They just wanted to be recognized as an independently wealthy asshole, not the dependent spouse of an asshole. All right, so credit cards just wanted the person who was going to earn to share the money. So to say that black people haven't been doing that well for the last few years, or last 40 years, here's the, here's the data that supports that notion. We have not been doing that well. White women have been doing very well. All right? So this idea that these are independent variables or that feminism isn't ultimately regressive because it confuses it confuses, one, some of the perks of, of womanhood, and it confuses the notion that white women and white men aren't on the same team. When white women and white men are on the same team, and, um, and white women will, uh, will fight for the perks of white womanhood because there are perks. This illusion that there aren't perks, I mean, just the idea that, like, you live a work optional life where at any point in time you could just marry a guy who's been acculturated to be duty bound to protect you, provide for you is already just like a completely alien like form of life for anybody else. <laughs> like everybody else knows that they have to work like, and not just work for a hobby or for meaning, but to earn. Right. Like, so, uh, just think about earn and support. Right, so just think about the illusion that we have an open politics when really we have a politics that is determined by why what by what white women are going are willing to fight other white women about. <laughs> right, and then in terms of division and divisiveness, um, they get to decide what's divi what's divisive, and what's not, and what's 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 appropriate. And that is a problem for labor politics. It's a problem for race politics. And on the Republican side, they just do it from behind their men. Right? Like for every Republican white guy jerk, there's a spouse and a mother who made him that way. There's a spouse who profits from him and a mother that made him that way. All right, so my kids just got home and I get to help them with their homework now. So I'm going to say adieu and I will talk to you another time.